Welcome everyone to Monday Motivations with that motivational guy, Tony Canavero. Hey, that's me. Every Monday I'm bringing you motivation, mindset, training, book reviews, powerful guests, and sometimes some randomness from my entirely too many hobbies. Uh, for show notes, head on over to thatmotivationalguy.com slash podcast. There might even be some free gifts around there if you look around. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and make sure you get your regular Monday dose of motivation. Now, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of That Motivational Guy podcast. I am really excited. This is an interesting um it's a slightly different focus today from what we've had all of our previous guests really have been like coaches, entrepreneurs, business guys. And what I think my listeners are going to find fascinating is how much crossover there is between uh, what you're going to get for content from today's show and what you get from other shows that we recorded. I have with me today, Russell Nolte. He's a USA Today Best-selling author, he's the founder of the Complete Creative and the found, or publisher at Wannabe Press. Uh, Russell, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm excited to have it. Uh, there's a lot of creatives in my household. My wife's an author. Um, you know, we write, and and a lot of my kids are into creative stuff, and they're all grown and adults now. So, Russell's a creative. Would you say it's fair to say you're a creative first, and then an entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, so I Guy was, uh, I don't know, maybe fifth. Uh, I don't, I, I really <laughs> like a creative one to fourth. Uh, I, I, I run a business and I do so successfully, but like, I feel like I leave a whole bunch of money on the table because I don't, I care much more about the creative process and like making something cool than I do at like making a product that's going to sell a whole bunch of money. So I, uh, I kind of use business strategy to uh maximize the weird stuff that i make but uh i don't and i move and i and i use it to uh like to, to test products and such and like mm -hmm. I, so i use a lot of that business strategy and business practices but generally i'm uh, augmenting uh the books that i want to make anyway i'm not like going out into the marketplace and saying well what is hot what can i sell i do that too but then i'm like well if only there was a human that cared even a little bit about that. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. So, so tell me a little bit about, well, I'm going to ask you this because I love the title. Tell me about Ichabod Jones, Monster Hunter. Sure. So Ichabod Jones, Monster Hunter is our most beloved book. It is the book that is most predictive of whether someone will like all of my other books. It is a dark fantasy horror comedy about a, mental patient that escapes from an asylum and becomes a monster hunter, but doesn't know if he's killing monsters, humans, or it's all in his head the whole time. Oh, wow. uh, so it's done in sort of a very uh, surrealistic art style, uh, very cartoonish like Invader Sim or um, Trying to the Homicidal Maniac or, uh, or Ren and Stimpy. And uh, so it's supposed to feel like you don't know what the truth is. Um, so it's very action packed. Uh, it was the first book I ever did. And, uh, yeah, it just went through its seventh printing, and we just picked up the eighth printing earlier this year. So we're oh wow, we're Fantastic. about to uh, we're we're, we're very excited for that book, and we have finished the second volume of it, and we're in production on the third right now. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit about um, you know, your journey from being someone who wanted to write, because I think anyone who actually gets to the level that you're at is somebody who probably wanted to write for a long time, you know, maybe early in life. I don't know. Tell me the story. Like, tell me what your journey of moving into becoming a full-time creative. Sure. So uh, I did not want to be a writer when I was a kid. I wanted to direct and act and do all sorts of other other things and be a filmmaker, but I uh, did not want to write. I certainly did not want to write books. Mm -hmm. As my friend, uh, my friend asked the other day, like, "Hey, what were you like as a 15 year old?" It's like I was not a reader. Uh, I I watched a lot of movies, play video games, uh, did the things that a typical like 15 year old human does. Uh, uh, so um, I then went to college at University of Maryland for studied broadcast journalism and sociology. Once I got out of there, I went and worked on Capitol Hill doing live shots for MSNBC and Fox News and a whole bunch of other places. I uh, did Easter egg rolls. I worked, did like shots for Comedy Central, a daily show, and a whole lot of like really cool sounding things that were actually really boring. Um, <laughs> I left there and founded my, 
I honestly kind of don't remember if this was my first or second company. Uh, uh, I had four before I finally started Wanna Be Press that all blew up in my face. So right around that time, I started a photography studio called RPN Photography, where I did fashion photography and portraiture and 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 uh, movie and uh, shot movies, TV shows. I went to Denmark on a movie once for a month. Uh, Again, a lot more fun than it sounds. Uh, and I also around that time, I started a production company with somebody uh, where we uh, were going to make movies. And uh, so that one folded really quickly uh, because we did not have the same vision. Uh, I started another movie. I, I then uh, had been on a bunch of movie sets and realized that like that the writing was very poor and uh, <laughs> I already had the gear. So I decided I shot some movies, some short films myself. And then I created a production company with two other people to make our movie uh, connections, which is still uh, very mediocre, but it is on YouTube and you can look it up. And uh, it's uh, about the connections that we make. And it's very mumblecore if you know, like Richard Linkletter's movies mm-hmm. or like very much like uh, not a lot happens Two people come into frame and then they talk. Uh, and uh, that happens for about an hour, uh, a little more than an hour, maybe. And uh, so that movie then took six years to produce. Wow. During that time, we disbanded BNS Productions, and I, I I shot it for in a year, and then it took six years in editing, probably wow. because it just wasn't very good. Uh, but uh, regardless, it took six years to edit, and uh, during that time, uh, I moved to Los Angeles. My um, my uh, my uh, manager introduced me to comics. I got in a car accident, which prevented me from shooting movies, uh, for doing any shooting anymore. I was in a neck brace for six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so during that time, I just wrote a lot. The only thing I could do was write. So I wrote like 10 scripts. I just like, I, I wanted to get all of the garbage writing out of the way um, <laughs> real fast. And so I, uh, I just, I wrote everything that I could, every idea that I had, I uh, tried to do just as much as humanly possible. Um, and then when I get introduced to comics, I kind of fell in love with comics uh, because it was sort of visual, but also, um, but also uh, you could finish. Like the problem with movies is like it takes just so long to do anything, and like most movies never get done. So I could actually have like a thing that was done. So I started doing um, uh, comics, and then uh, comics turned into books, and books turned into many more books, and then those books turned into even more books, and then uh, I started uh, doing kickstarters and having more and more and more success with that. And eventually, uh, 2015, I left my job. Uh, and then I've been doing this full time since then. And I have been a best selling author, USA Today best selling author since I think October of 2018. Uh, so but even before then, I was doing six figures as a creative entrepreneurial human between wannabe press, editing and publishing and then also um, uh, uh, doing marketing for other authors and having a training academy and a whole bunch of other things. Wow. So much to unpack in that, in that introduction, like amazing. And how old are you? 110 to have all that done in that time frame? like um, um, impressive quantity of experiences in there. I want to touch on a couple of things that you brought up and, and kind of bring it around. Cause I think there's some, some consistent things that people, whether they're in the creative space or the pure business space, uh, or want to be in either one of those, like your, your, uh, your, your press, you know, want to be press. A lot of people want to be something more than what they are right now. Right. What, whatever field that is. But you mentioned that you started several things and they all blew up in your face. You've had a car accident that really limited your ability to produce. What was it that kind of helped you move through those and why did you keep going spite probably <laughs> well, how so spite. how so uh so the wannabe press is a uh, is sort of just the fu attitude i've had to everyone who told me that i wouldn't be able to do it not my family like my family actually has been great and my wife has been amazing um and my mother and father and uh, everyone who like my my media family has been great it's just like literally everybody else who has uh, now they're much more supportive, but like for many years they were, uh, they were just like, well, it's not going to happen. So, um, I probably started with spite. Uh, spite doesn't burn very clean. I wouldn't recommend it, but sometimes you need something. 
I also just knew that I wanted to be a creator. I wanted to create stuff. I had like this burning thing in me. And every time I would, I, a company would fail, I would beat myself up. Uh, but, and like the spark would go out, but then eventually it would come back and like little by little it would come back and then it would go out and then it would come back and then it would go out and then it would come back. And pretty much every time I left a job, instead of looking for another job, it would just start a company. And so I would move from like job to company, then that company would fail to job to company, then that company would fail to job to company. And like, it just kind of moved back and forth like that. Um, and I don't think I ever really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I certainly didn't do it well the first several times that I did it. Like, mm-hmm. definitely did not take it seriously. Uh, but, um, uh, like, I thought I took it seriously, but I didn't actually take it seriously. So, like, you know, I would do the work for the creating, but I wouldn't do the marketing work or the sales work. Or I wouldn't, like, put in the, the hustle or the, 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 the trying to book clients or, like, you know, look do the professional stuff or have like the website look good. It took a way longer than I care to admit to like actually figure out how to like put together a website in a package that like looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I don't know, like I, I learned a long time ago that uh, Mike Tyson threw up before every bite bout that he had. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he didn't like getting punched in the face more than any, as much, any more than I do. Uh, mm-hmm. But he knew that there was a heavyweight belt at the end of it. And so uh, it made sense for him to keep getting up because there was the prize that he wanted. He wanted it enough to not give up. And, you know, uh, you know, I've succeeded in a lot of the things in my life, but I've also given up a lot of them. And like, I don't have this thing that like so many coaches have where it's like, don't give up. I'm like, no, give up, like give up. Like if, if you don't like it, then give up on it. Like don't keep mm-hmm. going, like mm-hmm. find something you do love mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. find something that you want to do find something that you're good at but like give up this thing that's not actually working for you uh, I, I really dislike when people uh spend their whole lives talking about like don't give up like i didn't give up at all uh, any of these times it's like well that's stupid like or, or like you're very lucky to like have found the thing that you want to do early because like most of life is trying something and then giving up like just a lot, <laughs> giving yeah, up just exactly. a lot. Um, exactly. So yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of my life like trying things and giving mm-hmm. up and pulling things that were actually like interesting. Like, you know, I actually like negotiating contracts. It's like a, a interesting challenge for me. And like, I enjoy doing marketing. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think that I would, but like, it's like uh, as a person who has a degree in demographic sociology, like it's fascinating to look at large groups of people and how they operate and like how you can influence them and like how you can figure out what they want and do it on at scale while still like building a network at the one-on-one level. So it's like, they're all like fascinating things that I, I wouldn't have known if I didn't try. And my my company is like kind of all over the place. If you look historically at like what it's done, it's been everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. But in doing and being everywhere, uh, it's really brought me a wide base of knowledge now where I know what makes me tick. I know what makes our books tick. And though it took till 37 and I've been doing this professionally on some level since 2015, 16 years, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, um, 22, uh, I pretty much think I only really started nailing it at any level at when I was five years ago. Uh, it, 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 it really took like that. I wanted it more than I would give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I just, I have ever, I would give up cause I would give up. Like, look, getting punched in the face is not fun the first time. It's That's not fun right. the hundredth time, but like when you don't know that it's going to come, like it's really not fun. Mm-hmm. And so when you get punched in the face and you go down the first time, it takes like years to get up. Yeah. nurse your wounds you complain try again and then like you you like you forget that the pain and then you try it again and you try it and like but really like inch in the face like isn't a deal breaker you just like right. kind of deal with it and like move forward um so, so yeah so i want to just jump in there because that's i think uh if you look at anybody's journey to to having the things that they want whether it be in the creative space or other spaces there's a lot of people look at it on the outside and they see this you know, straight up kind of journey, but it's not, it's up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, what were some of the things that 
that you specifically did? Any books or mentors that you had or lessons that you learned along the way that you were like, that, that helped you in those moments when you got punched in the face and you, and then this is the important part before you decided to get back up, what were some of the things that helped you make those decisions to get back up and get back in the game again? Well, now it's a lot different than, uh, than before. I think before it was stupidity and naivety that like allowed me to just keep getting up and mm -hmm. uh, a, a desire to do it. I don't know if I had the systems in place. I just knew that like I could do it and, and, and I just had to figure it out. And, uh, you know, like I, I've always been one to like try the thing and my mm -hmm. wife would always want me to tell me to try the thing and like go do the movie or go do the project or go like make the thing or go to Denmark or there were always these like little markers that I could look back on and, and like be like, well, like, you know, they sent me to Denmark. So like, I can't be that bad at my job, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, like, uh, you know, these, but like for a lot of times I didn't know, like I didn't really know until the last time like I knew it worked because of what didn't work the last time right. so like you know like I would the network like I would build like a network you know I never mm -hmm. really built a network in movie and tv like I, I built people that I knew but like I didn't build a network of people that we could rely on like I was never like an integral part of it like I was never like growing to the next level I didn't feel like I feel like I was like accumulating humans but like right. to, to, to no end like they didn't really care what I was doing and when I started doing comics and books, like those people really did like feel like I was onto something because like I didn't see that when I was doing the movies. Like I just, you know, I had a couple of, I'm not saying there were no, there was no network because like I had a couple of partners and we did movies and we did some stuff and like clearly there was a network there, but like there was no like beating heart that like I could like really rely on to come right. back to. And when I started doing the last, company hopefully I'll ever own in my life uh wannabe press uh, I I felt it I, I felt the growth and I felt like that it was like a moving organism I felt all of the things that people talk about in books when you're reading mm -hmm. like the books mm -hmm. about like the network like helping you when you strategizing with them and you moving together and like them pulling you up and I never felt that in my other companies mm -hmm. um you know I I, I, I would do marketing and like, I would like try things and when I, they would work and when I did them in other, <laughs> and when I did them in my other companies, it didn't work. There was nothing there. It was just like, it was just like a, a dud. Right. And, uh, and so I, I, I think that, uh, that the things that I did wrong previously allowed me to see what I did right this time. Like I'm right. so obsessive about mailing lists and audiences and all of those things because like, I know what happens when you don't have those things. Like, I know what happens when you have no network. Like you don't make any money. <laughs> you right. don't do anything. You can't move to the next level. Um, you have no support. You feel like unmoored in like your life. And I know because I went through a decade of doing that. And and suddenly I, when I when I got it, the taste of it, I was like, okay, I like I know I'm onto something. I ran this Kickstarter in 2014 for his book, the Ica, first Ica by Jones Monster Hunter, uh, when it was in soft cover instead of hardcover. And I just, like, we raised $5,500 in a month. And I was like, oh my God, like, people actually bought it. Like, nobody has bought my stuff before. Like, I can't even pay them to read, to like, <laughs> to, like, to, like, to like watch my movie. But like, now they bought it, like, paid me money. And it was like, okay, we're on onto something before mm -hmm. then I had done two ego campaigns for my book Katrina hates the dead and like I'd raised like two grand and I was like okay like there's something there's something here like there's like a, a, a I don't know what it is but like there's something there um and just like those little moments of like you know, when I was in 2006, I got hired to be an executive producer at a uh, internet television company. And I was like, well, they're not stupid. So like, there must be something, must be something there. I got hired to make, to do like a TV show, like a TV show pilot. And again, like, I was like, there's gotta be something here. And like, I wanted to pursue it, but I just got in a, spend a lot of time uh, talking to people when they tell me that they just want supplemental income from doing this stuff. And I'm like, right. there's no supplemental income. Like there's, there's 
obsessive like use of like spending 80 hours a week doing like because like like learning how to do audio or learning how to do this stuff or there's like and then there's some money potentially at the end of it or there's like nothing there's like no there's there's not like supplemental income to be made like narrating audiobooks there's right. there's there, there's there's like there's money to be made but like those people are working a lot to do to to get forward right i want to i want to dive into just an idea because as again being around a lot of creatives in my life um this is one of the things that i i see creative struggling a little bit on the when it comes to the mindset around money as a creative why is it important to make money with what you create um so well a couple of things first is the the money is the byproduct of making creative products and have, doing it successfully so i i was just on a call this morning with a business consultant and i was like you're going to have a real big problem with me because like you're ta- talking about like making a million dollars and all of this mm-hmm. stuff like i literally don't that's not what i care about like i care about right. impact and like audience and then the ancillary byproduct of that is money and then money then can go in to find more audience and make more impact and make more things. And then like they divert, it's the cycle that, that continues on. So um, money is good uh, because uh, it helps me find more people to read my work and consume my work and pay my rent and my mortgage and all of those things. Um, I don't find the, I find the problem with creatives is more, they have an aversion to money. But I think they have an aversion to valuing the work that they have. And um, I, I have a big problem. I, I was just talking with my friend and he's like, I have this terrible imposter syndrome because like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't believe people like my work or like mm-hmm. that my work's very good. And I said, and I, I'm a fan of his work, like especially his later stuff, like as he's like, they can tell he's growing into a rate. And I told him flat out, it's like, that's very insulting to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, and he goes, what do you mean insulting to, to you? And I was like, well, I am a fan of your work and I am telling you that it's good. And if you're telling me that it's not good, then you are saying that my taste is bad and I know my taste is not bad. So all you can be doing is insulting me at that point. So like, what do you do? So I have to accept that like your work is good and you just suck at marketing or a piece of it, or you have to turn around and insult me to my face. And which one is it going to be? Because there's literally no middle ground there. Man, that is so powerful. That that right there is so important. That I I I tend to agree with what you're saying. And again, I'm not I'm not really creative. I produce, I create video stuff for what I do, but I don't consider that to be creative the same way as people that you know like my wife that writes that you write the people that create uh you know fiction that to me is or music i have so much respect for people that do that and can do it well um but i think it's so important that because i look so side story i look at the work that my kids do and my wife does and i see how beautiful some of it is right of course not all of it is because nobody's perfect it's just not how that works but it's so beautiful and powerful and i'm like that's really good people want that people are going to enjoy that and the feedback i get is oh no one would like that it's not good enough and i'm like how do you know well, you have a problem in that you have a vested stake in these people. The best mm-hmm. way to tell if your stuff doesn't work is to find somebody who uh, finds uh, that works is find some people that like you, but not enough to lie to you. Um, <laughs> like you have every right. reason to lie to them. You have no right. reason to lie to me. Like I, like there's nothing, there's nothing to gain. So like you might like me, but like you have no reason to lie to me if you read this book and you like it or don't like it. Like it, like it, it telling me that it's good or not has no bearing on your life. So uh, the goal of finding people, uh, uh, my, my friend said that the other day I was doing a, 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 a virtual summit that I hosted uh, called Alt FCD, and uh, he said. He said, he said, yeah, I, I look for people that, that like me, but not enough to lie to me. And I was like, I'm stealing that now. It's mine That's fantastic. Uh, because uh, it, it's so true. It's like you're looking for you can't find random people because those are cold audiences. But if you want to really see if your book has impact or your work has impact, like find somebody who, who likes you, but not enough to lie to you. So someone that likes the kind of thing that you're trying and uh, show it to them. And like uh, the best example that I have of this is somebody who is like 
uh, you're old. I mean, I'm almost 20 years from high school. So I, I, I see a lot of people in, uh, in my, like who graduated with me and we're still kind of friends on Facebook, but we don't talk a lot. Uh, and so like those people, like people that are acquaintances that have known you for a long time, but like you don't actually talk to Right. ever or, or like very rarely and I was very surprised I'm very surprised that how many people I knew in high school still buy my books and <laughs> like um and are fans of mine but like fans because they're fans not because like we're like the closest two humans who have ever existed um so yeah someone who uh, someone who likes you uh, but not enough to lie to you but they also have to like the thing that you're making like not like the your thing but like it's no use to come to me and show me like uh, a, a Botticelli. Like, I just not, don't care. Like, I just like, I'm not like, that's not a thing. Like I can, I, but because I am, uh, I've been doing this a long time. I can appreciate that something is good. Like I can objectively appreciate that a thing is good. Even if it's not mine, most right. people are not uh, conditioned enough to do that. So if you're showing something uh, to somebody who's not a fan of that thing, um, they will, but they, but, uh, uh, but, uh, 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 so they won't be able to tell you that it is objectively good, but subjectively not their jam. Right. Gotcha. And, and so like somebody who is, who has a curated taste like myself, who has spent decades doing this can, 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 and, and like knows the process can look mm-hmm. at a book that I don't like and, or art I don't like and say that is objectively good. Um, it is subjectively my, not my jam. Gotcha. Uh, yep. So that's really what you're looking for. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you're looking. So a couple of things could be happening with you. Uh, maybe uh, uh, you definitely have a stake in these people's lives. So like you will like it. You will like the thing more just because like you like them more. Um, also, uh, you might be the person, a person who doesn't generally like the thing that they like, that trying to do. So if, like if you don't have the taste that to, to tell them if it's good, then there's no way for that. They would, would trust your opinion. Right. Um, so those two conditions really need to be met when you're looking for some objective opinion on whether your stuff is good or uh, saleable. The next right. thing you have to look for is uh, do you have buyer intent? So is that person saying, Oh, that's good. Or are they saying, Oh my God, like when can I buy this or where can I buy right. this? Because one of those things is like, you really nailed it. And one of those is like, you probably still have a lot of work to do. Right. And then like you're working on replication of doing it a lot of times and until you can like pretty much every time you bring something out, people are like, Oh my God, this is mind blowing. How do you keep doing this? Right on. That was, that was a lot of fantastic information for those people who have creatives around them. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, those of us that live with creatives or, or support creatives, uh, you know, we sometimes want to see them take those steps into whatever that next step for them is into greatness, which leads me to ask you, tell me a little bit about the, the complete creative. What's, what is that? Sure. I, I will go back and say uh, one thing. The other thing that you might be is wrong. Like you might be wrong. It might not be very good. Right. Uh, and so now you're going to tell them to go out into the world and, uh, you have now just sent them into a lion's den and they're going to get eaten up. So uh, for their own good, you want to find some of these same similar people who will, uh, who will love you, uh, who will, who like you, but not enough to lie to you because uh, you want to know if the, you, you, you want to protect their, their thing and you want them to know if like they're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Usually people are at like 10% or 20% or 40%. They're not a hundred percent of the way there. And like, mm-hmm. it, it really matters if you're 80% or 20% of the way there as to whether you can actually make a go of it or, and actually establish an audience. Right. So the complete creative is my training Academy. It trains creatives how to make the best work of their life. And, and, and uh, share it with the world. It is, t- it is uh, three sections. Uh, the first is mindset. Uh, so we talk about uh, all of the mindset stuff that you have to know and breathing and, 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 uh, and, and, and like knowing that you're going to suck at first and all of the stuff to kind of like become resilient. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second part is creating, how to create great work. And the third part is selling, how to sell it how to share it with the world. So it all comes from my uh, two nonfiction books going all the way back. The first one is called how to build your creative career. 
uh, which is sort of uh, in my mind and many others, the seminal work on creating uh, creative work in uh, that has ever been written. Uh, it goes everywhere from, uh, from making work, from starting your career, all the way to how to build an audience from scratch, how to sell live events, how to launch at shows, how to build a sales funnel, how to think of like yourself as a creative business, not just a creative person. And that has become the sort of five pillars of my, 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 my life, uh, of, of, of what I teach. Uh, I teach mm -hmm. how to make great stuff, mm -hmm. uh, how, to, how to like build the general practices and foundational practices of your business, uh, how to build an audience from scratch, how to sell live events, and then how to launch products usually on Kickstarter or crowdfunding, but not necessarily. Love it. I wanted, there was one topic you mentioned that really um, resonates with me as something I'd love to see more of in the world. I'd love to, you to just take a little bit of a, a, a deep dive into the idea of becoming resilient. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Okay, so the problem with most people that start out, uh, uh, let's take a podcast since we're on a podcast now. We both have podcasts. Out of curiosity, how many episodes have you recorded so far? Uh, re released are eight, and I think I have another. I actually have to go back and count. I've been recording so many lately. I think I'm at... 12 or 15 in the can as well. So, so somewhere, still around new. somewhere around 20, 25 Correct. podcasts, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. one thing that happens with podcasters often is, uh, or any creative person uh, is they look at the landscape and go, oh my God, everyone wants a podcast. Everyone mm -hmm. wants to make a podcast for books. Uh, I can use books too, because uh, that's my life. Uh, about 50% of human beings want to actually make a book. Uh, right. So in this country, that would be, there's a hundred and roughly 20 million adult humans, uh, uh, which would mean about 60 million of them want to write a book. Uh, now, uh, there's a million people that, there's a million books published of all types on, on, on Kindle every year. So uh, now many of them are from established authors or there's multiple of the same person. But like, let's just say that every single one of those million people is a brand new, uh, it, it is from a singular author, not brand new, but like one person. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, so that means about uh, one in 60 uh, people that say they want to do something will do something. Um, and now uh, out of that 1 million, uh, roughly I mean, most of them are published by people who've already published before. Mm -hmm. uh, most people will try a thing. Uh, about 50% of them will then try it and be like, oh, I wrote my book. That's it. Or, oh, I did not like that. Um, so, uh, but usually the I don't like that is, is not going to be assumed by that one in 60. But most people, about half or, or less of those people are going to say, yes, I really like this. And make a second book. And then uh, they make a second book, and often again, it's 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 like we winnows the field. So from my position, having done this in podcasting, where I have over almost two hundred episodes, in uh, in uh, in books, where I have dozens of books and comics and so many fields, and 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 uh, I, I went to like one hundred and fifty live shows over the course of my uh, of uh, like a couple of years. Mm -hmm. It's like the amount of people that you look back on when you get to a certain place and go, where is everybody is, is enormous. Um, and that all comes down to resilience. That all comes down to, can you get punched in the face and get back up? Because this is all hard. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was talking with my wife the other day and she does research and she has her master's degree and she has like a, a terminal degree in her field basically. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing with her degree is like once she got that degree, like she knew every class she had to take. She knew most of this. And once she got that terminal degree with the, the certification and everything, like she could then go out and like get hired. And like, I'm not saying her job is not hard. Uh, it is hard and it's hard mm -hmm. to get a job. And it was very hard to get that place. But mm -hmm. there were steps along the way. And the hard part about entrepreneurship or most jobs actually are um, there's no like guide. There's no like, how do you break through? Mm -hmm. Every job is different. Everything is different. And I have run sociological experiments for decades now trying to figure out what the commonalities are and, 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 and what most people use to break through. And that's kind of what the podcast and all of this stuff is about, uh, the how to build your creative career. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that people say over and over is like they just outlasted 
people. It just outworked them and outlasted them. So mm-hmm. a lot of resilience is about, okay, uh, if you have to do 10, 10 projects in order to good, like how do you do 10 projects in six months? Still with high quality, like still in like, instead of doing 10 years of work in 10 years, how do you do 10 years of work in one year? And right. then the next year, okay, so like I have to do 10, in order to get marketing right, like it takes 10 years to build a brand. How can I do that in one year? And so it's, it's part of it is just the, the length of work that you do and like how you can be resilient in it. But also it's just the scope of what you're doing and like, and, and, and can you go out there every day and like let people and like bleed for people until they just they they have no choice but to accept you right but not only that they can't accept you that you've become the person that can be accepted right uh, because when you first start doing something like you suck you're if, if you're young look you, you may be a great person but odds are like you suck as just a, a human like you're probably like pithy and and uh, and like and self-absorbed and like you've got a lot of bad qualities uh that's okay. Like all young humans do. And maybe this new generation is just the greatest generation of humans. And like, they don't have any of that, but like oftentimes, uh, 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 or almost every person that I know has like a lot of bad qualities that they kind of got to file off over time to become mm-hmm. the kind of person that can walk through that next step. Right. And so, um, I, uh, uh, there's a story uh, that's partially my memory and partially my, I made up and partially has been told to me, but it's a story <laughs> of a person who looks up at a door that they cannot climb up to. There's all sorts of, of problems in their past that to, to get through. There's, there's, there, there, there's spikes and stakes and pit bulls and dragons and everything to get to that like door, but like the door is where they want to get to. It's going to be everything they want. And they have, uh, they have all of this stuff and they have to shed it all and they have to like learn how to like improvise and they have to like each step just takes so much of them. But by the time they get to that door, they're naked and they are, are different and they don't even recognize the person at the beginning. And it's because like they had to go through all of that to become the type of human that could walk through the door. And right. now they can walk through the door. Now, now walking, now they're at the top of the stairs, walking through the door is just literally opening it up and they can do it over and over again. They can walk back through that door and they can walk, they can keep doing it because they have all of the skills. They are now the kind of person, but you know what happens when you walk through that door? Uh, you're, you look up at the next door and there's even worse obstacles. There's even harder obstacles yeah. to get through again. And you pick up like all of the new weaponry that you have and all of the stuff that, that, that's been acquired as you've been shedding stuff and gathering it up. And like every time you're almost reinventing yourself to get to the next stage. And I turned to my wife not that long ago, a couple months ago maybe, and I was like, I honestly don't know if I remember like how to be 32 or like that. Mm-hmm. I, I literally don't even recognize that person. Yep. And one of the reasons I made the complete creative to go back to the original question you asked is because I knew that if I did it right, someday I would not remember what it was like to break in. Like I would be able to empathize and sympathize and on some level remember, but I would not be able to uh, 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 recite how it felt. And so the complete creative, if nothing else, it is a relatively unbroken streak of how I have built my career since, since all the way back, as long as I've been blocking. Nice. And some of the, and some of the blogs have been transferred since 2007 to the new, uh, from site to site to site to like our new, the, the new complete creative site. Um, but it's coming to the point now where like, I don't think I'm the right person to ask about breaking in. I don't right. think I am because I broke in. 2000 and I, I, the, I remember the official day that I broke in uh, was like the day after my Monsters and Other Scary Shit project launch, which would make it uh, February 15th, 2017. And I had been working at that for uh, since 2004. So I had 15 years of knowledge of how to break in. Mm-hmm. And now I, I like, I don't, I, I don't think I can tell you, I can kind of, tell you the theoretical processes to break in but like five years ago russell could tell you how to break in and he's there on the site he's like there on the site and yeah like he's, or uh 
37 year old wrestler can tell you how to like get the mindset. So like you can not be suicidal, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and like how to like treat yourself better because that's what I'm dealing with now. Mm -hmm. But someday, hopefully God, hopefully I will like not remember what it's like to do that. And that will be like 37 year old Russell will be there to tell you how to do those things. Um, because new 42 year old Russell has walked through the next door. Right. I love it. You know, one of my mentors always teaches that everything worthwhile is uphill. It's, it's a very similar kind of a philosophy, right? Everything worthwhile is hard. It's just how it is. Uh, and, you know, you can, never, you can never decide to just do a thing that requires you to grow. You actually have to become the person that can accomplish that. And that means you have to shed the skin of the person you were before, right? I love it. That's, that's really, really Absolutely. powerful. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's really important, um, I, I've learned in all of the business is the the thing that most people are unwilling to do is uh, is is to to scale by doing the unscalable thing. So I, uh, it's one of my favorite philosophies. It's one of my secret weapons. Is if I'm having problems, I literally just go back and actually talk to fans. I talk to friends, I call up people, I do all the, the hard work that you can't just get from a survey. And I, li- and I'm like, and, and I'm, I lay a bear and I say, look, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what is, what is this thing not giving you that it used to give you? Like, why right. are you no longer listening to my podcast? Why are you not doing this? And this, you know, that is hard work. It is actually very easy to just create some survey on Google, on, on Google Forms and like send it out to people and ask them to fill it out. And that is why people don't fill it out. Uh, I talk to creators all the time. Like, well, no one filled out my survey or my email. I'm like, I know. Because like, would you? Like, right. like, seriously. I mean, do you ever fill out surveys? Right. Uh, do you ever actually like when someone says, replay back with your favorite watermelon? Like, do you actually like do that maybe on social media but like in email like i just like i don't do it so i don't believe that like it's a thing because uh uh, i'm sure there are people that do but like i'm not saying like will four people answer your or your thing i'm saying like at scale will Mm -hmm. they like will you be able to get the thing that you need to move forward and i have found that one thing that uh, uh that that a it helps the mindset because you're actually talking to real people but but the way to really scale and get to the next level is to do those things that are absolutely unscalable that what people would say, that's stupid. Like, why are you mm-hmm. spending all of your time? Why are you wasting all of your time doing this X thing? And they're not all beneficial. Like, I'm not saying like, well, like not scalable is like picking every grass on my, my lawn in front of me. So that must be helpful. I'm not saying that there are lawn mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are many things that, that you can do. Like, being on this podcast is not scalable. Like mm-hmm. I can't be in two podcasts at the same time. I can do virtual summits and other things, but like every time I, I take an hour, uh, either on my podcast or to be on another person's podcast, I am doing an absolutely unscalable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the scale comes when it gets distributed and hopefully two hundreds or thousands or however many people, mm-hmm. but that's a risk that I take. Like right now, uh, this show is being watched by one person. It's That's actually right. being watched by zero people. That's right. Uh, and, and it could be watched by four people. It could be watched by four million people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. So every time I take this, I try to, I try to make good choices. I like just not being on every show. But mm-hmm. I also take chances on a lot of shows that are new. Mm-hmm. That don't, because my hope is that uh, this show becomes like the next uh, Mind Your Business podcast. And mm-hmm. like now you're mm-hmm. a million, now you got a million downloads or 800,000, 80,000, whatever it is, an episode. And I can be like, hey, Tony, remember when we had that nice conversation? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hey, uh, can we, can you replay that episode or can you redo another episode about what I learned? And, mm-hmm. uh, but you do 20 of those and maybe one of them works out. And you have to be willing to take this time and assume that like, nobody's going to watch except for the two people who are watching. And all of that is unscalable. 
Yeah. Uh, all of that is like to have a real heartfelt conversation with something means that every time you do it, you're having a conversation with one other person. Yeah. Every time you reach out to someone in your audience and ask them questions or like go and, and to an art show and talk to the artist or whatever it is, like you are doing an unscalable thing in the moment. Again, you can then bring scale into it other times, um, but it's so important to understand that when you're doing it, it is important to create leverage points. So like mm-hmm. this show mm-hmm. could be repurposed for the next 50 years, like assuming right. that it goes live, right? Like yep. it, it, it is a thing that now is archivable. That's right. But at the same time, it's something that is unscalable. Mm-hmm. So I like to make sure that when I'm writing something or doing something, like I'm writing a blog post, it, usually a blog, if I'm writing, a, 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 I write long posts on Facebook and mm-hmm. often they get repurposed, like literally pretty much as is with a little bit of editing onto my blog. Right. Um, because that is a thing that I can do once and then like I can at least use it multiple times. I can like use it and populate it in multiple places. Right. Um, and I'm not saying you cannot scale stuff. Uh, you, you, should, you should use everything to be not scalable. But I do think it's important to understand that um, that connection that you make with people is like the thing. I, I got to jump in there because that is exactly, I've, I've got a couple notes here from that commentary. And one of the key things that I took away from that was something that we teach is uh, uh, connection. Uh, and that's one of the the underlying principles I hear from a lot of the, the I just interviewed a gentleman a little while ago and he talked about the that uh, increasing level of intimacy with your audience results in increased levels of revenue. Uh, and the more intimate and connected you get with your audience, uh, the more uh, revenue per interaction, I guess, would be one way to look at it uh, is what happens. And I think that uh, another philosophy that, that we teach that I hear a lot of is, you know, slow down to go fast. And this, that unscalable thing where you dive down and you get connected to the people that matter in your uh, world at the moment, as far as your future and your growth and your creatives, um, that's what builds your fan base. You'd rather have, there's, I think there's a saying that says, I'd rather have a thousand raving fans than a hundred thousand people casually interested. Sure, but and, here's the thing. If you have a hundred, if you have a thousand raving fans, you will have a hundred thousand. This exactly. is what they don't say. So like the, the um, God, who did it? Who's, who wrote that article? Uh, Kevin. Uh, uh, was it Seth I Godin? I can't remember. I want to no, say Seth was, Godin, uh, but it was somebody else. I can't remember was, either. Uh, so, uh, they talk about the thousand true fans and you're like, yeah, that's great. But like, you know, you need, like you need to talk to a lot of people to get a thousand true people. It's not like you talk to a thousand people and you suddenly have a thousand true fans. You need to talk to so many more people to get a thousand true fans, tens of thousands of people to get a thousand true fans. Because, uh, because for every one 99 people you talk to are not going to like you for the one person that does like you. Um, but I want to be pressed is a pretty simple key metric or KPI, uh, which is, I hate key performance indicators, but we have one. <laughs> and that one is quality conversations per week. And right. we try to have 10 quality conversations per week with fans, with podcasters, with people, real people. And if we can have at least 10, then we're doing our job. Love now, it. that could be text messaging. That could be over Facebook. That could mm-hmm. be a really long thread on somewhere. That could be, uh, that could be uh, uh, again, like a podcast like this. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to have 10 quality con- conversations. I'm not saying 10 like conversations at scale. Mm-hmm. I mean like 10 of these. And if those 10 get seen by then 50,000 people, great. But like our metric is how many of these conversations can we have? How Love many it. times can we reach out to people and make a real meaningful, and it doesn't have to be an hour. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be an hour. It can be five minutes. It can be yeah. 10 minutes, but it has to be meaningful and it has to be a real connection. And, and, and it might mean reaching out to 20 people to have 10 conversations. Usually I have to put in 10, uh, 10 requests for, for interviews to get one. So like that you're talking about, maybe you need a hundred uh, uh, right. to, to try for a hundred to get 10, whatever it is. my my go- the, like the thing that drives us is those quality conversations because those quality mm-hmm. conversations then become fans right. and those fans then buy our books or talk about us to other people. 
and all of that other stuff that trickles down. Like, right. I don't know. My goal every time I, I'm on a podcast is that a year later, uh, every person I'm on is like, that was the best show I had in the last year. And like every time I'm trying to deliver that and have that quality conversation because, uh, and every time that I think about like the fan that's listening, I'm like, I want at least one person that's listening, uh, hopefully one in 10 people or one in a hundred people to be like, that was the best interview I've heard in years. Uh, nice. And I have to go seek them out uh, right. because that is how all of the other BS is just BS. Like all of the like scale things and like run Facebook ads. And like, I could teach you every single one of those tricks. Mm -hmm. um, they all, they all work on some level, but if you can't get the connection right, uh, it will never last. And I have now been doing this for ever it feels like <laughs> and i have watched people come and go i have watched people i thought were going to succeed beyond my wildest beliefs blow uh, uh, fall apart mm -hmm. i have watched people who who did amazing launches uh fall apart i've watched people and i've watched people that i was like who's that joker like come back again and again and better and better and better and then i work with them on something and uh and all of that other scale and stuff is great. Uh, you know, you need it. Right. But uh, I made $60,000 last year on a list of 250 people. Right. So, And it's so, it's so important. We, we're going to have to move along here because we're going to run. I know you've got another interview coming up. But the, the, uh, we're, my wife and I are John Maxwell certified coaches. One of his books that we teach and love so much is Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. And, and, I see that book as being a foundational work for people who want to create movements, who want to just have better interactions with their spouses because every in today's world, there's so much information being bombarded at us, but yet there's very little connection, right? So I want to ask you a couple of questions before we, before we part ways today. As a writer, somebody who works and spends their time in words and images, what's your favorite word? I, I, I'm thinking of a bunch of words that like are beautiful, but my favorite word is no. Really? Uh, How come? So when I, uh, so one, when someone says, no, I don't want to work with you. I don't have to worry with them again. If someone says, no, I don't want to buy from you. Then I know I don't have to worry from them anymore like I can and I get closer to finding the person the people who are in my network I'm very polarizing uh, I don't know if you can tell from this hour because I'm putting on a real good but like most people either love me or hate me most people sure. are not in the middle uh, there so like the no and the no's vastly outrank the yeses uh, <laughs> or they did until like pretty recently so I would have to talk to a lot of people to like and that was great because like I would find one amazing fan for every like hundred uh ones that told me to go screw off and like Love it. that was worth it but more but but um uh at the i believe at the beginning of your career you should say yes to everything and still try to say yes to as many things as possible but i also but i think you need to have hours not minutes hours in your day that are free to just think and like and like do deep work and have and and be under committed as much as possible mm -hmm. um, so that you can do these like little things that like you want to do like I just before we got on there I was recording a pie I got on I recorded like a little course for like this this website I was like is it gonna be super helpful I don't know but like it was a couple of hours of my time and like we'd be going back and forth for months like I was I like had a couple of things canceled this morning and I was like okay I'm gonna commit this I'm gonna like put this this thing on my on my thing but uh, that is because I, I'm very strongly uh, uh, believe in the one thing and moving mm -hmm. towards the one thing that you are going to. I don't know if you know that book, The One Thing, but it's mm -hmm. a wonderful book that uh, you literally like changed my life because uh, it was things that I was doing unintentionally and it allowed me to focus and say anything that's going in my direction, I'm going to say yes to. But anything it. now that is not going in my direction is I'm I'm going to say no to. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and that no is very powerful because I can undercommit and I can mm -hmm. overspend my time on things that I really care about and that are really moving forward. I love and, it. And when I see something that is great, I can pounce on it. But it is only because of those no's. 
not the and and, and those no's lead me to yes fantastic that's so powerful listen russell um where can people find you all right. So there are two things. There are two sides of my business. Uh, so uh, based on this show, I'm going to assume most of you are creators or writers or at some level uh, starting a creative business or a business of some type. Mm-hmm. I have been for a decade um, organizing all of my thoughts into podcasts and, uh, and, and blog posts and courses, both free and paid on my site, The Complete Creative. Uh, my podcast interviews creators about how they built and sustained their creative career. Um, it's pretty amazing to watch like high powered, successful people uh, talk about how they built their career. We've also had uh, doctors talk about depression and anxiety. We've had people talk about how they come back from grief. We've had people talk about how they sustain a 50 year career. Uh, a lot of like really powerful creatives that are, that, that are on that show. Um, plus me. So it's like more fun than it sounds maybe. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, the blogs are, uh, have everything from like the best things that I found about how to build your creative career to how to build an audience without breaking the bank to how to become successful as a self-published author, how to land a publishing deal. There's like all sorts of epic blog posts, uh, that are like riddled on the, some of them 10,000 words or more. Wow. I just did one. My last one was uh, how to, uh, how to create a world-class virtual summit, which is I just have run three. So I literally a 10,000 word blog post about everything that I learned from that process. Fantastic. So, so those are the blogs and then the podcast. And then I have books associated with it, how to build your creative career and how to become a successful author, which can all be accessed from that site or from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, maybe you just want to read something cool. And like, if you like monsters and mythology, if you're a fan of Greek, Roman, Norse mythology, if you like fantastic and like, action, adventure, uh, really epic battles, then I uh, have, uh, am also a USA Today bestselling author uh, uh, at russellnolte.com. I wrote this book, Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter, which is a comic. I also write a book called a book series called The Godsverse, which is basically what if all the gods are real, but they're just dicks and they mess with, <laughs> mess with, uh, mess with humanity. And then those humans. So the book is about uh, these four women across 13,000 years who get fed up with the gods and they, 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 they take their destiny into their own hands. And what's amazing about that in this, a time like this is um, we are, uh, we're in a time where our uh, agency feels like it's been taken away from us. And what I've heard about the books is it's, it's like the books sort of give you agency. <laughs> like, I like, love it. These, these characters are so proactive in their lives. And like, they won't even let the gods tell them no, that they like fight for the things that they believe in. And uh, so that, that is the God's First Chronicles. You can find all of that on russellnolte.com. If you sign up for my mailing list there, um, then you will get a bunch of free stories. But yeah, man, Monsters and Mythology. That's uh, Love it. kind of my Love thing. It. And then I also, my passion is in helping creatives build better businesses at The Complete Creative. Perfect. All those links are going to show up in the show notes, guys. Uh, definitely go check them out. Check out check out his, his monster books. I... I play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a DM for first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game. I love fantasy stuff. I think it's it's just been super formative on who I became later on in life. So definitely go check out his stuff. Uh, what, Russell, what one thing would you want my listeners to do today? Do today or mm-hmm. believe today? I always kind of end with the same one thought. Sure. Go for yeah, it. I try to. So what I would, the thing I would like you to do is breathe, but the, the, the thing I would like you to believe or start believing is that your self-worth is not tied to your success or failure. You are not a human who succeeds. Uh, you're not a, a success or failure, you're a human being that succeeds or fails. But even if you fail a hundred times out of a hundred, your self-worth is not tied to that. You have the insane self-worth as as uh, Bill Gates uh, or, uh, or, uh, or Tiger Woods or any other human, you, you get that self-worth just for existing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is built into the package of being a human. Uh, if you tie your success, and I'll tell you, like as you're moving up, like as you're going up the ladder, it's real fun to like tie your success to your self-worth and start mm-hmm. thinking of yourself like, 
like a big shot. Uh, but all of that success then crumbles at some point and you'll be back at the bottom. And man, tying your self-worth to your, to your failure, to your success means you're tying it to your failure. And like that is, uh, that, that is uh, 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 a recipe for disaster as a person who has been through that in the not too recent past, like in the past year. So um, uh, really uh, start telling yourself that you are a person who fails or a person who succeeds. You're a person, but you're also a person who does a lot of other stuff. You're a person who listens to this podcast, for instance. You're a person who reads books, who drives cars, who, who has many other life skills. And you would not define yourself by any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you should not define yourself by a, your success or failure too. Because it, no matter what, if you're on the upswing or the downswing, it can turn around in a moment. And uh, you, you, uh, you do not want to be there. Uh, uh, for as fun as it is in the good times, it's not fun in the bad times. So Absolutely. just remember, your self-worth is intrinsic to you existing. I love it. That's fantastic. Listen, Russell, thanks so much for being on today, guys. Uh, I got a ton of information from this. It was, it was a wonderful experience having you on here. Guys, go check out uh, The Complete Creative. Go check out russellnolte.com. The link's going to be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember, have a fantastic day and you got this. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to That Motivational Guy podcast. I hope you got some value from this. Uh, As my thanks to you, please accept a free gift from us. Go to thatmotivationalguy.com slash change and download a free webinar course that my wife Vanessa and I did on how to change anything in your life. Anything. No strings attached. Don't even have to enter an email address to get the course. It's just our gift and our thanks from us to you. If after going through the course, you do get something from it, you'll have a chance to subscribe to more good stuff at that point in time, but only after we've proven that there's some value for it. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review pretty please, and then go out and make it a fantastic day.